We're back. It's Old Timers Day at uh, at WABC. Me and uh, Peter King, the King and I, and uh, and uh, George Venizelos. You don't qualify for Old Timers Day yet. You're still a young guy. George Venizelos, the former head of the FBI in New York, and uh, and Philadelphia, and Harrisburg. And Boston. His only character defect is he's such a Yankee fan, and he hates the Mets so much. And uh, so when the Mets win the World Series, George, I'm going to be tough to take. I'm going to be all over you. If they win, I'll be happy for you, Pete. Now, okay. on the line, we have a, a, a patriotic American. We have a West Pointer uh, and a former assistant secretary of the Air Force. Very, very much concerned about what's going on in the world. Uh, we have... Uh, a former assistant secretary to the Air Force, Ty McCoy. Ty, how are you this morning? I'm fine, Cass. How are you? And the other gentleman, George and Peter King. And Peter King was uh, Homeland Security in charge yeah. of Homeland Security. Weren't you there for a while? That was actually a chairman twice and ranking member for a number of years. Ty, let me ask you, because you have such a varied record, an expert <laughs> record. What concerns you the most right now as you look at our security, both foreign policy and domestic? Well, I think that uh, the um, Russian, uh, you know, attack in Ukraine is uh, going bad, uh, which in some ways is good, but in some ways because of the nature of their system puts a lot of pressure on uh, the ego and the establishment of power by Putin. And so he's beginning to send signals uh, of moving trains around that may have a nuclear uh, nose cones in them, sending out his big uh, Belgograde submarine into the Arctic where it can't be easily seen, uh, beginning to kind of shake the tree a little bit that he may have to use some nuclear uh, weapons uh, in some ways. And uh, this uh, is very uh, dangerous because the uh, line of control, the communications between the uh, people at the top in Russia, somewhat the same in many countries, all the way down to the firing officers, can sometimes go bad, and when you have a, a heightened uh, alert status, people with nuclear weapons, and all of a sudden the communications go dark, uh, sometimes that can be interpreted and, and lead to you know uh, conclusions to launch when, in fact, there was no need to launch. So that's the, the problem with uh, you know putting these uh, forces into, into a little bit of action and, and heightening alert. Uh, the uh, other thing that is most worrisome is that the uh, countries that are also in a state of tension around the world with, with U.S. policies, such as the Chinese, the Iranians, and others, uh, may take this uh, opportunity with all the stress on the system against the U.S. and Europe to make moves of their own, which could lead to conflicts in other parts of the world. So it's, uh, uh, you know, kind of a, a crisis within a crisis, and uh, it could, uh, you know, go badly if we're not... Uh, uh, real careful. Ty, out of this crisis, if maybe we could say the glass is half full to this extent, if China does see Russia being devastated as far as its invasion, could that dissuade them from moving on Taiwan when they see that the United States is willing to stand with an ally or is willing to stand against uh, Russian aggression and then uh, 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 Chinese aggression if they did try to attack Taiwan? Or do you think China might go ahead anyway? I think it certainly sends a signal to them that the U.S. can do a lot more than, than they thought we could do, even with uh, uh, divisions over here in our, in our homeland on political and national security issues. At the same time, they see that much of our equipment, ammunition, and other uh, matters have been shipped to support the Ukraine. So they might feel that we're a little bit 
uh, we're stronger on will than they thought, but we may be a little bit shorter on equipment and uh, submarines and so forth. So I think that they will uh, continue to, to get ready, continue to watch things uh, back to their west in the Ukraine and Russia. And uh, in many cases, it seems that uh, the uh, Chinese leader uh, has met with uh, Putin twice. And once after they met, uh, that is when the Ukraine invasion started. And the second time they met, uh, that is when the uh, further uh, stepped up invasion and and waving around uh, some nuclear weapons happened. So it almost seems like China is using Russia as a a hammer uh, and and letting them get chewed up themselves in order to kind of make way for being in a stronger position themselves. So it's almost like uh, the the uh, Putin kind of maybe walked into a little bit of a trap and and got you know, support, just enough support from the Chinese to launch his uh, his attack in, in against the Ukraine. But then the Chinese are really uh, not supporting him to the degree that he thought. You know, going from one bad actor to another, Russia to China. How about Iran? Where do you see that standing? Well, the Iranians continue to uh, have, uh, you know, tremendous problems uh, with their economy because of the sanctions that were levied on them, because of the not going along with the, the joint uh, program on controlling their nuclear weapons. And then they are heavy-handed approach towards uh, the women and, and the younger people in the country. So between the economy and the, and the human rights violations and the technology, which the younger people can use to get around uh, the regime and, and the hard-line oppressors in the regime, uh, there, there's very much uh, in the way of demonstrations and uh, economic hardship on the Iranians. And, of course, that leads to a situation, uh, again, somewhat like Putin, where the regime has to take a hard line and maybe take some risks uh, with respect to uh, adversaries such as Israel uh, in order to show that, that they are strong. So uh, both both the countries uh, – Really, all three of the countries, Russia, China, and, and Iran, are facing internal uh, dissent, economic problems, uh, questions of credibility, questions of stability. And this tends to be coming from, from three uh, adversaries who are somewhat linked together, along with North Korea. Uh, we have four um, leaders that are known to be uh, very uh, uh, you know, dangerous in many ways. Uh, Ty, one question. Russia needs $100 oil. We talked about it last week. I talked about it on Fox last week. And, uh, and, uh, OPEC is threatening to cut production to create $100 oil again because it was down to 76. But the reason, or at, at $100 oil, Russia makes a billion dollars a day. Now, they're using that money to buy this, this Wagner Group a force that they're using instead of their army? You know much about that? Yeah, this uh, Wagner Group force is sort of the, you know, one of these things that have come afoot in the last few years, particularly in Russia, uh, as, as a counterbalance. They call them PMCs, private military contractors. And uh, the Wagner Group uh, stemmed from Putin, I think, wanting to build up another armed group that could go and 
undertake certain missions, including, you know, helping uh, dictators take over their countries, exploit oil and gold and, and things like that in Africa as a way to pay them. And at the same time, uh, they would be a force that's outside the normal military chain of command that could help counterbalance any any moves by his own military uh, against himself. So uh, they know that the Wagner Group stands and falls. How Putin, big is the Wagner so Group, do you know? Uh, I've heard it can be as many, and, and they're spread through several countries in Africa and also up in, in uh, Ukraine, uh, I think a little bit less so now. Uh, probably it could be 15,000, 20,000, uh, 25,000. It's not a and it's, not a huge it, 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 it's former prisoners, and it's a personal hit squad. Yeah, it's a lot of uh, former, uh, you know, Spetsnaz and uh, special forces uh, veterans that that want to, you know, make five times as much as they did when they were. What did those know, guys get paid? Was it uh, mercenaries? Yeah, they, they're they, they're high paid mercenaries, and uh, they can. Uh, you know, get paid in some cases. They're they're like uh, the Iranian Revolutionary Guard. After a while, these these private military groups start to try to form their own companies and start to engage in commerce and gold mining. Uh, and so they not only want to, uh, they become become like privateers uh, that are uh, sometimes authorized in war. By we did that in our Revolutionary War. We authorized, uh, gave letters of mark to uh, certain private. Uh, owners of ships that they could go out and on behalf of the U.S. act as our Navy and capture uh, uh, British ships and capture and, and keep the uh, keep the loot. So this has wow. uh, had a long history of bringing in private, uh, uh, private people, so to speak, private organizations into a military per- A personal uh, hit squad. Yeah, yeah, I think he's, he's got a – it's a big one. He's probably got – some others uh, that are that are smaller, special departments and special. You pay uh, those guys a thousand a day? Uh, well, probably, uh, maybe sometimes even more. Uh, but the, right. uh, you let them have you let them have things that they can grab, like gold and oil, and, and setting up companies. But also, some of the money he is earning from oil, as you say, is is being used to Ty. fund those those groups and the war effort. Ty McCoy, former Assistant Secretary of the Air Force, thank you so much. Uh, uh, we're out of time, and we got to take a break. And, and thank you for everything you've done for our country and continue to speak out for our country. 